Alistair will sing. Is Alistair there somewhere? We'll sing a bit later. Uh, once I've, I thought it would be better if we sang it actually uh, when we know a little bit more about it. So I want us to turn to Psalm 82. In terms of what Hugh was praying, uh, Baldragon opened their new school uh, this week and so we pray for them and the Christians who are involved there. And in the Steeple Church, they will be live streaming Billy Graham's funeral on Friday at 5 p.m. Um, if anyone is, is interested in going to that, Billy Graham had a big impact on many lives. Now, Rosemary, I heard a story this morning that I can almost hardly believe is true, but your father, um, that Sam Will, was, who was a prophet when I, when, uh, when I came here, was an, uh, an elderly man, but he, that he was responsible for teaching Billy Graham the gospel, that's what I was told. But I don't think that. He did work with him, though, a little bit. In, was it in Peru that he worked with him? Yeah, so Rosemary's dad worked with um, Billy Graham and many people's here lives were impacted by Billy Graham. But let's turn to Psalm 82 and Robin this morning said something that struck a chord with me, he said many things that struck a chord with me, but one in particular was, isn't it amazing how a book like First Thessalonians has God speaking to us as a church as though it was just to us? Well, here's a, the Bible is like that, and here's a song, a psalm of Asaph, written probably more than two and a half thousand years ago, and it's God speaking about our culture. It's God bringing clarity into a confused human situation. It's God's assessment of the situation, and it's God's solution. And I... This is one of these Psalms that if, if I was reading through the book of Psalms, I would skip over it fairly quickly. And then, uh, as I've been studying this, it's become one of my favorite Psalms, but there won't be many people's favorite Psalm. It's a little bit tricky to understand at one level, but I think it's, it's a really powerful and encouraging thing for us in a society in which I won't go into any details, but my view is that we are increasingly becoming more confused and darker. And sometimes we ask what's going on. Well, God is just about to tell us. Psalm 82. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, you are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere men, you will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Now this is a situation where it describes God presiding in the great assembly, and that is the idea of a court. And it's the president of the court. That's what a president is. The president is someone who presides over the, the court or the parliament or whatever. And this is speaking about God. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. And I'm going to keep this very short and simple. The, the gods of the earth. The key to understanding the psalm is to understand... What, sorry, I'll take my hand in my pocket. The key to understanding the psalm is to understand what he means by the gods of the earth. It's possible. 
that when the term gods is used like this, it can mean demons. And so in other parts of the Bible, in Isaiah and in the New Testament, it talks about the spiritual powers. And it's possible that what's been spoken of here are spiritual forces working away within the context of um, local situations and national situations. And I think that that is um, something we always need to bear in mind, that there are battles going on and things that do happen that, that kind of, there's a principle of evil behind them. And I think we, we have to see that in our own culture as well. However, I think it's much more likely here that the second way in which the term gods is used, other than uh, for God, is when it's speaking of the judges or the leaders of the culture, and here Israel. So in John 10 verse 35, Jesus says, is it not written in your law, I've said you are gods, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside. And so Jesus is quoting this and is interpreting it as that it's uh, what are called gods, the political leaders, the judges, the rulers of the culture. And I think if you understand the psalm primarily in that way, it really helps. Because what he's saying is the gods have used their position to defend the unjust, to pervert justice, and to favor wickedness. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are others higher still. Anyone who's given political authority, anyone who's given any authority, all authority comes from God. Particularly those who rule. We are told in Romans that this, the powers that be have been appointed by God. They are servants of God. And this is what they are supposed to do. Number one, look in verse three, defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Who are they? Those without worldly resources, and he uses the word that means of either wealth or people. They don't have money, but it's people. I mentioned yesterday, or I think Friday, that there was a profoundly disturbing Channel 4 news item about Dundee, which incidentally featured Eagle's Wings and some of the people who work with them talking about this, of how Dundee is the drugs death capital of Europe. And that already this year, and this to me is, this to me is utterly shocking, already this year more people have died from drugs abuse in Dundee than died in the whole of last year. And we're only in February. And there's going to be more because it's people who've been on drugs for a long time. There's a whole range of different things tied in with that. Now what struck me when some of the people were being interviewed, and maybe this is wrong, but it was always the mums who were being interviewed. Where's the dads? And I, I, I'll, I'll take a stab at this. I reckon that if most people grew up in homes, stable homes, and the mothers are hugely important, I'm not denying that, 
but where there were fathers who acted like fathers and behaved like fathers and cared for and provided for their families. Who are the poor? The poor are people without money, but the poor are people without good, stable relationships around them. And I wonder how many of these drug addicts who have died in Dundee who are human beings, they're not. Please don't think. You know, people may use descriptive terms like junkie and all the rest of it, but they're human beings with, with lives and hearts and souls and, and, and cares and concerns. And I'm just wondering how many had fathers who were in their lives and actively involved. And part of that is I was listening to a testimony of an African-American guy from a very poor area of the United States. And he was talking about how 80% or more of his friends were brought up with no father in the home at all. Defend the weak and the fatherless. And this is saying it is the responsibility of those in power to defend the weak and the fatherless. And I know sometimes Christians go, well, wait a minute, it's up to, that's just, it's, it's not the government's job. That's not what this says. It's not what the word of God says. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, the downtrodden, those who are at the bottom of life's heap. I love what Calvin says about this. We are here briefly taught that a just and well-regulated government will be distinguished for maintaining the rights of the poor and the afflicted. I'm a little bit tired of hearing Christians say the government is about law and order and the government is about defending the country. Calvin was spot on. A just and well-regulated government will be distinguished for maintaining the rights of the poor and the afflicted. Now that's not just saying about welfare and hands out and all that kind of stuff. It's the rights of the poor and the afflicted not to be oppressed by those who have power, not to be discriminated against just because they are poor. To rescue the weak and needy, he says, those who can be exploited by stronger vested interests. And what the psalmist is saying is they should be protected by the law and the lawmakers because the lawmakers should recognize that the law comes ultimately not from them but from God. And all are made equally in the image of God and therefore everyone is equal before the law. Now here is, this is a really important thing for you to grasp. As our culture rejects the law of God, we will also reject the principle of equality before the law. Our culture talks about equality, but it has no basis for equality because it rejects the one from whom equality comes, and that is God. And so our culture will talk about equality all they want. But I'm sorry, if you're a kid growing up in Baldragon, the area that Baldragon serves, or you're a kid growing up in Charleston, your life expectancy is going to be at least 10 years less on average than if you grew up in Broughty Ferry. And that whole inequality is, is deeply ingrained and has to come in a culture which says it believes in equality but rejects the basis for it. Again, Calvin talks about the rulers. And I, I would love, um, if, I, if I could do one thing, I'd probably resurrect John Calvin and get him to go and speak to the parliament. But I was down in the Scottish parliament this, this week actually uh, and just incredible. 
He said, they should admit that they owe their elevation to power to the favor of God. They may worship him by outward ceremonies. They may go to their various things and have their kirkings and all that kind of stuff. But their greatness so infatuates them that they are chargeable with expelling and casting God to a distance from their assembly by their vain imaginations, for they cannot bear to be subject to reason and laws. The design of the prophet here is to deride the madness by which the princes of this world are bewitched in leaving God no place in their assembly. It's incredible to go to the Scottish Parliament and to be told, if you're going to speak here, be careful how often you mention Jesus or what you say. It's just incredible. They exclude God. And any society in which the rulers exclude God is a society that will become even more unjust and unfair. And what's the basis for saying that? The witnesses are called. Verse 5. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. And here he's saying that the rulers are ignorant rather than knowledgeable. They lack discernment and understanding in making decisions. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, says Hosea. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. They walk about in darkness. We, in rejecting God, and, and I'm, not just talk, I'm not talking about civic religion, I'm talking about rulers who acknowledge the God of the Bible and who take his standards. In rejecting God, we're told what happens. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. They live in darkness. They lack direction and purpose. This uh, week, there is a deadline for a response to the Scottish Government. There are uh, actually leaflets on the back that will help you respond if you wish to respond as an individual. Uh, I've responded on behalf of the whole uh, free church. We're putting in um, a response to this for the Scottish Government's Gender Reassignment Bill. Now, the Scottish Government's Gender Reassignment Bill may be done out of the best of intentions, but it will result in something that seems totally bizarre to many people here, and they can hardly believe it. And that is that if this is passed, you will be able to self-identify as whatever you want. You'll be able to walk and say, I am a male, if you're a female. They talk about the fact, I still can't get over this phraseology, but the phraseology is from the gender you were assigned at birth. So it's this idea that the midwives will, will look and go, okay, we'll make that one a boy and that one will be a girl and, that, and it's nothing to do with biology. Now, you, you, people, we smile, we think, no, don't be, people can't be that stupid. Yes, they can. And governments can be that stupid. And, that, and this is why they walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth, they don't know what a human being is anymore. They really don't. They don't understand. They don't know what marriage is. They don't know what sex is for. They don't know about sexuality. They don't know what a human being is. God made them male and female, but apparently, I I was going to say 57, but I looked it up uh, on Facebook and it's now 71 genders. You try naming them all. It's incredible. 
And in schools in Dundee, we were praying for schools. And please do continue to pray about this because I know Christian parents who've come and who've asked. And they are working away in their schools trying to prevent this being, their children being indoctrinated with this stuff. There's a school in Dundee right now that's being used as a poster kind of campaign. And it's got on it. For primary one and two pupils, can you believe this? Primary one and two pupils are, have a poster they can't even read, which is telling them, respect other people's pronouns. Now, I'm so impressed that primary one and two pupils in Dundee are expected to know pronouns. Some of you students here haven't a clue what pronouns are. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Um, I went to university not really knowing what a pronoun was. I wasn't taught grammar at school. But what is all that about? It's just madness. It's doctrines of demons. And it's not even that people are deliberately setting out. They're just confused. They don't know because they reject God. We just run around like that. And so he says, they they lack direction. They lack purpose. And look what happens. The foundations of the earth are shaken. The breakdown of social structures and stabilities. You're a kid and your family's broken up. You're a kid and you go to school and you're feeling really sad about things. And you're a kid and you're told, do you know this? Maybe you're sad because you're, you're trapped in the wrong body. What are you going to do? Those of you who can still remember when you were a hormonal teenager, and I apologize to any hormonal teenagers here, but we all go through it. We understand. We feel your pain. We've been there. You know, you just, all kinds of stuff goes through your head. All, and then to have a figure in authority saying, well, you can choose whether you want to be male or female. No, you can't. You can't choose whether you want to be male or female. Yes, there are people born intersex, and I haven't even the time to explain what that is. But people are born male or female. And yet, they know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. Pray for our society, because if it isn't this issue, it's another issue and another issue and another issue. All the foundations of the earth are shaken I said you are gods, you're all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. The gods will die. And I think, again, that, you, that could be referring to the demons. Revelation 20.10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. But human rulers will die also. They will all fail. They will all die. They cannot bring the stability ultimately and peace that we need. And so the alternative is given. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Isaiah says the Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It's you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. Do you hear this? The plunder from the poor is in your houses. Do you know what they teach? You know what people think? They think, well, the rich are rich. And that's just the way it is. And the poor, well, how can they be plundered? Why do you think the rich are rich? Because the poor are plundered. And I'm sorry, that I'm not teaching politics I'm sorry that's just why people are kept poor of course it's not saying that every rich person is rich because they have cheated or lied or or plundered the poor or whatever but it's saying that that does happen a lot it's wonderful when God gives people wealth that they can use for his glory and use to serve and help other people 
but we live in this insanely immoral world where something like less than 1% of the population own 50% of all the resources. And we're meant to be a more just and equal society. You've ruined my vineyard, says the Lord. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. You're going to ask Chris about CAP and about grinding the faces of the poor. Ask him about people who get into debt and the banks that they're in debt to will grind their faces. And that's not too strong an image. And God says, I see it. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing with your unjust interest rates. I see what you're doing. With the way that you manipulate, I see what you're doing with the greed. And so we pray for God. Rise up, O God, judge the earth for all the nations are in your inheritance. And for me, this is the comfort in a directionless society. Because I think like the book of Revelation, it ends with, come, Lord Jesus. In other words, Asaph looks and he says, God is in the great assembly. Here are the rulers and this is what the rulers are doing. And it is absolutely horrible. Even in Israel, this is what they are doing. And he prays, God, rise up. Rise up. I wonder how many of us as Christians pray for the Lord Jesus to return. I saw somebody um, responding to some of the stuff that's going on in the culture. They were in such despair that they they wrote, um, come soon, Lord Jesus. And someone said, why did you say that? as though it was a negative thing. It's not a negative thing, it's a wonderful thing. Because here is the great thing that we need to hold on to. Having said all that, is there injustice in the world? Yes. Is there wrong in the world? Yes. Is partiality shown to the wicked? Yes. Are the weak and fatherless oppressed? Yes. Do our rulers know nothing, understand nothing, walk about in darkness? Yes. When they reject God, that's the position that they are in. And will we suffer because of it? Yes. And will the poor suffer especially? Yes. And so we could despair or want to start the revolution knowing from history that the new boss will be the same as the old boss. But we don't. But here's why. All the nations are your inheritance. It's God's earth, not the devil's. You know what the devil says in Luke 4 verse 6? All the nations are mine and I give it to who I will. And the Lord says that's not true. I love the Dutch prime minister, Calvinist, um, Christian more importantly, Abraham Kuyper. Always worth reading. His probably most famous saying is this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mine. So when Andrew's up in Charleston and sees all the different things and is working away and in that community center, he looks around and walks and says, Christ says, this is mine. And when we look and we despair and we see all the, when I was down in the Scottish Parliament, honestly, I was, no, no, you don't rule, you don't reign. This is Christ. When you hear of the tragedies of Doctors who want to serve people and being told, no, no, you can't be a gynecologist because you won't support abortion. And the temptation is to despair and give up. You say, no, Christ says this is mine. They are mine. These people are mine. 
And when you see the down and outs, you see people struggling, you hear about, I mean, I, can't get, I just can't get that picture out of my head of that Channel 4 News and the mums and, and the two addicts shooting up as they're being interviewed. And I say, no, they're not the devils. They're not the devils. Christ is mine. And so we plead for the Lord to reign. We plead for his kingdom to come. We plead for him to return, but we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not going to be done through politics. Though politicians are important and politics is not unimportant. But it's done through Christ being at work through his people. I don't, I'm not going to say what the situation, but there's a situation in a school here in Dundee where there were some parents, Christian parents, who were in great despair about what was going on in the school and what was being taught. And one of them had the courage, contacted myself and somebody else, and we tried to advise them a little bit, and they had the courage to go and speak to those in authority. And they did so with a graciousness and a kindness and so on. And my understanding is, is that the situation is being changed and being transformed. Why, why do we think the devil rules? Why will we just cower away as Christians? No. Lord, your kingdom come. And we proclaim the word and the world may reject the word as it rejected Christ. But at least we're proclaiming his word. And who knows? You must, um, I hope you all know the story of William Wilberforce. But how many years? I think it was 30 years he went to Parliament every year to try and get the slave trade abolished. And he was told it was impossible. It would never happen. A bit like the story in 2 Kings 7. Won't happen, won't happen, won't happen. But he kept going because he believed that that's what God had called him to. And then one day, Parliament voted to abolish the slave trade. And it cost the British economy Billions and billions and billions and billions, and they still voted to abolish the slave trade. Just really quite extraordinary. Well, God is calling each one of us here to speak on his behalf and to live in this world as salt and life, and most of all to pray, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Now we're going to sing uh, this just now and then I want to say one other thing before we um, sing again and then take communion. So we'll sing Psalm 82. Uh, God stands in the great assembly. Alistair, I don't know what the tune is actually. Stuttgart. Let's uh, stand and sing. God stands in the great assembly judging gods who gather there. How long will you clear the wicked with the judgments you declare? And I like the shorthand you. Please be seated. I'm going to ask the band to come up to be ready to sing. But I want to read the warrant a bit earlier, just before they sing, and just to say something uh, as they get ready. It's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ presides over the table. He's the head of the table. Uh, if you come to my house and you sit at our big table, 
Um, my, I, I'm the, I have, well, maybe Annabel sits at the head, actually. Depends which way you look at it. But from my point of view, where I sit is the head of the table. And people sit around and uh, it's, it's an image. And Christ sitting at the head of the table, Christ is not absent. In the Jewish Passover feast, when people meet for Passover, they leave a chair empty for the Messiah who's to come. We don't have an empty chair for the Messiah who's to come because he's here by his spirit through the, the sacrament. And we sit at that table. We sit at the table of the king of kings. We may sit as beggars, but we're fed a rich feast. The rulers of this world may be having their feasts. They may go to their grand dinners and banquets and so on. But we sit at Christ's table. Without Christ, they are ultimately empty. We are not because we have a rich, rich feast. And the song that we're going to sing just now before we take communion is Here is Love, Fast as the Ocean. And in a wonderful way, I feel a wee bit guilty about this in a way because I can say it here. But I think of those people who took drugs because they, they don't see any alternative. They don't know what love is. And we can go to them and say, here is love, vast as the ocean. See when Andrew stood here? I was so proud of him as my son, but more as, almost more as his minister because he knows what it is to plant a church, that it's not just about doing community work and all the other things. He knows that the greatest need is that people see the love of Christ. And we invite people all the time to come and sit at the Lord's table, to come and know Jesus. That's what we've got. That's what turns the world upside down. And that's what the people of this city and this country need. Let's sing, here is love, fast as the ocean. Stand to sing.